Welcome to Hope for All Nations, a podcast by Calvary Worship Center Broadcast. We pray that God's word will continue to be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, and that as you spend time in the presence, you will be abundantly fruitful. Now pull out your notes from your bulletin. I want us to go straight into the word of God. For those of you who are new here, let me remind you, we do have a prayer meeting every Friday night. We gather here, lots of us come to pray and move mountains that you alone cannot move. Amen? Sometimes you go to a situation, you need others to help you. And let me invite you, especially this Friday night, as we move mountains together. We are talking about today, continuing our series on investing for eternity. Investing for eternity. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, address this issue for us. He says, the issue of money is a very sensitive issue. How many of you agree with me? It's an issue that nobody wants to preach about, nobody wants to talk about, but Jesus speaks about it because he knows the issue of money is a heart issue. See, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. No wonder he speaks about money more than any subject in the Bible, Jesus does. So today, I want us to open our hearts and our minds, and especially in the West, where material things are a bit, you know, difficult for us to talk about, and yet we need to remind ourselves that we are not here forever. The Bible says, store up your treasures in heaven where there are no thieves, where it does not rust. And we come to remind us, and my aim in this series is to help us, encourage us to continually have eternity on our minds. Eternity in our minds, because we are all going home very soon. Today, I want to take my test from a very popular passage that we all are familiar with, Matthew chapter 25. We are going to look from verse 14 all the way to 30, but let me just read verse 1. And they will get into the word. The Bible says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and then trusted his money to them whilst he was gone. That's the way Jesus begins this story. And trusted most Most of you are familiar with the word stewardship. This is where it comes from. We have been entrusted with something. Today I'm going to use as a subject managing whose money? God's money. And I hope at the end of the service we will shift our thinking and stop speaking about my money, my house, my days is God's. I didn't get an amen, but I will continue. (laughs) Managing God's money. My job as a pastor is not to make people comfortable and happy. My job as a pastor is to speak the truth of the word. And one day I will stand before God. I don't make these things up. God put these words on our hearts and we share as as the leaders of the church to what God puts on our hearts. We don't don't sit one day and say, oh, I'm going to talk about this. No. 
we are being trusted with the word of God and we have to speak it as when God calls us to speak it. And I hope that is okay. Managing God's money. Managing God's money. Let's start with a bit of a definition. Who is a manager? A manager is someone entrusted with another's property and charged with the responsibility of handling it in the owner's best interest. Every one of us, whether we are Christians or non-Christians, we are managers. We don't owe anything. In fact, when we came to this world, you came with nothing. In fact, you came naked. And everything you came to see here was already here. And stewardship, the whole theology of stewardship say that somebody owns these things and, they are, and he has entrusted us with it. Way before your forefathers, before right from the beginning, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the Bible says, after God has created everything, then the Lord took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. That's the beginning of the theology of stewardship. God created everything and said, Adam, take care of it. Everything we have, everything we've ever owned, everything we possess has come from God who says, take care of it. So this passage we are going to study talks about how do we take care of the things that God has entrusted us. In fact, it's not just money that he has entrusted us. God has entrusted us with time. We mentioned that last week with talent and obviously with money, with relationship. You can say this, these are my children, but they are not yours, really. God has entrusted you with his children that you have to raise them, the Bible says, according to the way God has instructed. Are you still following me? So we're looking at Matthew 25. I'm going to look at three aspects of this passage. We are going to look at one, the ruler, the owner of all things. We need to establish that. Then two, we are going to talk about what he has entrusted us uh, to do, our responsibility. And then we need to remind ourselves there is a day of reckoning. The master is going to come one day and we are going to give an account. That's the way we're going to end. Is that okay? Let's start with the first one, the ruler. The passage begins with understanding of the ownership. Who owns it? Let's go back to it again. The kingdom of God, Jesus is talking about the power, but this is how things are supposed to be. A man going on a long trip, and we know who, who this man is. It's Jesus, came here on earth and trusted that and is coming back. He called together his servants and entrusted them his money to them whilst he was gone. So we have to understand who the owner is and what he has given us. Like I say, he has given entrusted with so many things. Today, we are just going to focus on the treasures, the money. Three things we need to understand about the ruler, the owner, who is God. Number one, God originates everything. We need to establish that. In other words, everything comes from God. God is the creator of all things. 
Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything that you see was created by God. In the beginning, there was nothing. There was nothing. It wasn't a big band theory. There was nothing. And God said, everything originates from God. It's very important to understand the stewardship, our stewardship, that we need to understand where everything comes from. Number one, everything originates from God. Every energy that you see, atom, neutrons, protons, all the tongues were created by God. We as stewards, we just put it together. Every grain of sand on earth was created by God. Every star in the galaxies were created by God. You need to understand that everything originates from God. That helps you to understand your stewardship. Am I talking to somebody? The Bible says in Acts chapter 17, verse 24. Acts 17, 24. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Should I go further? No. It establishes that. In the beginning, God created everything. As a child of God, you need to understand the ownership of God. That everything comes from him. Number two, not only does it, everything originate from him, you also understand God owns everything. He created it and it is for him. The Bible says by him and for him. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, the earth is the Lord's, it's not yours. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You either believe it or you don't, including you. The Bible says you belong to God. You are God's possession. Sometimes we forget who owns this universe and who owns what we have. I had a very funny story about John Wesley. His house got burned whilst he was on a mission trip. And somebody said, your house is on fire. And his response with, God's house is on fire. Well, he, take, he, he took a deep breath and he said, one last thing for me to take care of. What a theologian. One thing I can scrub off my list. I don't need to take care of that house, God's house. God, the ownership of God had to be ingrained in our theology. Turn to your neighbor and say, God owns all things. He originates all things. He owns all things. Psalm 50 verse 10 says, For every beast of the forest is mine. You can say that I've got 10 sheep and 100 sheep and 50 sheep. It's God. You're only a caretaker. Don't forget who owns the cattle. And the cattle upon a thousand hills belongs to God. We, where we first came to this country or we first landed here, so this belongs to us. You are caretaker. When you came here, it was here. Somebody originated it. Somebody owns it. Are you still following me? Very important you understand. The, the master, the owner, committed to them his goods, his money. Say, I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. Let's not forget who owns all things. 
Leviticus 25, another interesting passage, God reminds Israel, he says, and remember, the land must never be sold on a permanent basis because it really belongs to who? Belongs to me. You can lease it, you can rent it, but you cannot sell it permanently. The land is mine. You are only foreigners. You are not owners. Although I say I own a house, but I'm not an owner. I'm also a tenant. God owns the house. Some of you are saying, ha, 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 ha. Well, we don't see whether, tell Royal Bank about that. God owns it. The next time you go to CIBC to sign your mortgage, said, I am just a caretaker. I'm not an owner. You are only foreigners and tenants living with me. That type of thinking puts you into the eternity equation. God said, and that's what we're talking about. Don't forget, once you begin to think you, you own this, it is mine, you begin to attach to it and you forget about who owns it and where you are going. We are all tenants. We are all foreigners. We are born here with nothing. God gives us things to take, take care of. Very soon, we live with nothing. You're not going with anything. Everything you see here, you leave them behind. But it doesn't end there. When you meet God, Everything he's giving you, time, talent, treasure, everything, including your body relationship, you're going to give account. God originates all things. God owns all things. And thirdly, he oversees all things. God is not like me or like some of us. We are not, God is not an absentee landlord. He doesn't leave things here and then go and stay in Indonesia or Philippines or China or Africa. And then you can see when a house has an absentee landlord because they don't take care of it. God is interested how the grass is cut. God is interested how the windows are washed. He is a God who not only created the universe, but he's very careful. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord move to and fro upon the face of the earth. He created the things and he, he tells us we need to be careful how we use it. He said, Adam, take care of it. And he gives him the ownership, what to take care of and what not to take care of. I'm the owner. It's every tree of the garden you can eat, but one tree, he sets a limitation. This one you cannot eat. The owner of the universe even sets limitations and boundaries for what we can and we cannot do. And when Adam broke the rule, he stepped in. Say, Adam, what have you done? Out. Sometimes God gives and sometimes he can take. And it talks in the book of Luke that anyone who is not faithful in the little things will not be faithful in many. He cannot trust you. If God trusts you with something and you are not being faithful, the Bible says he will take it away. Am I saying something? I don't want to preach anything that's not Bible. I just want to speak Bible. In other words, God is not an absentee landlord. He's interested. To the point that, why is God so much interested in you? That to the point, he said, the hair of your head, on your head. <laughs> I can imagine how God was feeling when I was losing all my hair. 
he, he oversaw all, every little grain. There we go again. The last one is finally falling. <laughs> he oversees. The Bible says he's interested in our life and every detail of our life. Psalm 139, he's interested. You know what that means? That means that he's also interested in how we spend our money. He does. This whole passage is about how we use his money. Sometimes we've, we've used the word talent and preach on it, but this passage has nothing to do with talent. It's all about money. The talent there is a, is a measure of gold. It's actually uh, money that Jesus is talking about, and it has been misinterpreted to make gifts. This passage is not about gifting. It's about stewardship. It's about ownership. It's about how to take care of what God has actually given us. And I will, show, I will show with, share with you a moment the equivalent of a talent to a U.S. dollars. God oversees everything. And when we take care of it, he says he blesses us, he extends things for us. If we don't take care of it, he takes it away. Can we establish that? Say with me, God originates all things. God owns everything. God oversees everything. This is the starting point of everybody. The, the kingdom of God is like a man, an owner, who travels to a faraway country and gives his goods. Now let's talk about the responsibility. Let's go back to the verse again. Verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money. This is a responsibility. Entrusted his money to them while he was gone. This owner said, take care of this. There are two things I wanted to notice about this responsibility. Two things I wanted to notice about this responsibility. The first one, I wanted to write it down about our responsibility. I wanted to understand the diversity of the gifts that he gives us, the money he gives us, the diversity. In other words, we all do not receive the same. And that is why the Bible says it is very foolish to compare yourself to somebody. All of us, in fact, all of us have not been given the same time. Somebody said we have the same time to 24 hours. Yeah, we have the same time 24 hours, but we all don't live the same. Some of us have been entrusted with 15 years. 20 years. Some of us have been trusted with 70 years. Some of us have been trusted with 95 years. Time is different. And all of us have, will be judged according to the time slot allotted to us. The person who was given 95 years will be judged differently from the person who was given five years. The same with our body. The same with our treasure. The same with talents, gifting. God has not given us the same. The Bible says in Matthew 25, let's look at verse 15. He gave some five bags of gold to one, two bags of gold to another, and one bag of gold to the last. Now, this is the rationale. Dividing it in the proportion to their abilities and they left on his street. In other words, let's stay on the subject of money because this also applies to every area of our life. We all don't have. God has, we entrust some of us certain monies. He talked about five bags, two bags, and one. 
Let me explain a bit. One bag equivalent is about $1.25 million. Two bags is $2.5 million equivalent. By the way, it's U.S., not, not Canadian. <laughs> I need to stress that. Five bags is equivalent of $6.25 million U.S. dollars. Intentionally never gave everybody the same because we all have the same abilities. Some of us, if God entrusted us with 6.25 million, we will never see you in church again. <laughs> you can't handle it. You are laughing. You said, try me. You can't handle it. Look, when I was sleeping on the floor, I used to pray more. Now my bed is a little softer and it's difficult for me to get out of bed. I don't know how to handle it. <laughs> Some of us, success can destroy us. God knows how much we can handle. So you don't jealous anybody who has two million or five million or whatever million. Let's stay with the subject of money. God appoints appoints everybody differently because he knows our abilities. He said, this one, when I entrust this much, I know he can or she can handle it better. Everybody has been given. We are all not called to have the same amount. And this is consistent with scripture. Whether giftings and whatever, everybody is different. It is diverse. And you need to understand that. So you don't jealous somebody and say, God, why is this person rich? Or God, why do I live in Syria? God, what are all of not being called to live in West Vancouver? <laughs> Some of you, if you live in West Vancouver, will you come to church here? No, you can't handle it. In fact, David said, God, I don't want you to make me rich, nor make me poor. Just right in the middle, I can handle he knows what he's talking about. But the point I'm trying to make is that God has not committed things to us the same. Larry Bucket says something which was quite interesting. I want to quote. He says, now, remember I was talking about a million. Everybody been coming. It looks as if the average person will handle a million dollars before they die. He said, a person who earns $25,000, this is U.S., a year and works for 25 years will have handled $1 million before they retire. I thought, wow. And we're talking about minimum wage here. And that's interesting. I said, God is speaking into our culture. The person that received the lowest was 1.25. In other words, every little money that comes into my hand, I need to realize that one day I'm going to give account. Everybody here, most of you are millionaires already. If you work for 25 years and you retire at 65 or whatever, you would have handled a million dollars at least. And God is saying, because he oversees all things, he knows everything that comes through us, whether it's our time, whether it's our relationships, and whether it's our money. Luke chapter 12, verse 48 says, when somebody has been given much, much will be required in return. And when somebody has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. What does the Bible say? Don't jealous somebody. The person was giving five bags of gold. God expected more from the person. The two bags of gold, more from the person. 
but God knows our abilities and our capacity to handle. Sometimes I meet pastors and they, God is not giving every pastor the ability to lead a big church. Some cannot handle it. Some will be able to handle it. Some God knows the capacity. And word of God, you need to understand your capacity and your ability and stay in your lane. Otherwise, you'll be full of envy and jealousy and fighting and covetousness and driving. Why am I not driving the Mercedes Benz? And it's not your lot. Say, God, why can't I own a house? What is wrong with me? There could be nothing wrong with you. That may be your lot. You have to understand your own abilities and capacity. You're quiet now. Like, I thought I was going to be rich. You, it's possible you could be. And I'll come to that in a second. And when we deal with diversity, you have to understand where God is placing you. Not only the diversity of the gifts, you also have to understand the differences in the gain. When they all came back, they never came, they never came back the same. Go back to the passage. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Now Jesus is talking about the parable. And he might be, a, he's a great economist. And he say, he came to give account. And he said, one day, every one of us will stand before God and say, God will say, give account of your time. Give account of the talent. Give account of the money. Your life, your children, the things that are entrusted upon you. Give account. And God is expecting a return. Because when you read the story, the person who didn't bring a return was cast into the outer darkness. God said, you're a useless child. When I give you something, I want you to profit with it. Profit with it. What does that mean? A few years ago, I shared with you how God expects us to handle our money. Let, let me break it apart. First and foremost, how do we make sure that we bring gain, especially in the area of finances? One, we need to secure it diligently. Again, I want to come to you and I want you to sit up and listen to me. Some of you have been made with a certain capacity. How you earn is important to God as how you spend. If God, for some of you, God is called you to earn very little. Some of you, God is called you to stay at home. And God will judge you according to that. It's not all of us that have been called to earn something. You, you don't understand your own capacity. Some of, some of you are earning below your capacity. You'll be judged according to that. God has given you a capacity to, to say earn five million, but you just... I'm just chilling. I just want to be home and just do 1.2 million. God will judge you. In other words, God has given the abilities to go out there and take care of the money he's given you. But many of us, we're just either we are lazy or we don't care or we don't have vision. Sometimes you meet people who are living below their capacity. And every one of us, we need to ask God, whether in the area of money, talent, even our life, Am I living below my capacity? Be, some of you are so gifted. And yet, 
you live your life carelessly. Oh, I can play piano. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can play guitar. I can play that. I'm also a good soccer player. To them, that match is given. And yet we're doing nothing about it. God said when he gave you those gifts and talents, he wants you to profit with it. Invest it. Invest it in other people. Invest it into life. So at the end of this service, every one of us need to understand our abilities. Because God is saying to us, am I doing more with the little that he has given me? I'm doing nothing. It's not just spiritual to say, you know what? I can do this. I can do that. But I just want to be conservative. No, God wanted to profit. And he does, he wanted to secure it diligently. He wanted to save it wisely. He said, learn from the end. He wanted to share it generously. And he wanted to spend it cautiously. Because one day, he's going to judge you based, among other things, about these five areas. How did you end it? How did you save it? How did you spend it? And how do you share it? John Wesley said something again, the same John Wesley, and I'm going, great Methodist church planter. He said, in spending this money, he had a very strong sense of stewardship. Am I acting as if I own it? Or am I acting as a lost trustee? Do I ask God to show me what to do with his money? I was like, wow. Deep from a Methodist. Those forefathers understood the idea, the theology of stewardship. In other words, I don't just pay my tithe and say, okay, the rest are mine. No, it's not yours. It's God's. In other words, every spending is a spiritual decision. You people are quiet. I'm looking, can, can, can you make a highway for me? I'm going to talk to you. Anytime you get into the mall, you are making spiritual decisions. See, the ladies are looking at me. I can see they have stones. And say, there goes my shopping spree. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, sisters. And don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God does not want you to enjoy what he has given you. But with limitations. Like I was sharing with you last week. Sometimes you have to buy what you need. I was sharing with the staff this Tuesday. My wife and I, she went shopping. I didn't. I was, I was very holy in the parking lot. <laughs> Reading my Bible. Staying the things of the spirit. She went to Masha. I was very spiritual. And she wasn't coming. I got tempted. I said, oh, let me just walk around and just look around. Before I knew it, I'm picking a shirt. And before I could say Jack, my wife was standing beside me and said, don't you have this same shirt? I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't have the dots. It's a little different from the what I have. I was convicted, really. I don't need it. Every time I pick up a shirt or a shoe, I need to ask Sam, does God approve of this? Really? Does he? That's the way we are supposed to live our life. Not just with money, with everything, with our time, with our life. You can't just decide, I want to have 20 children. Does God approve of it? 
Why, have I said something here? <laughs> Maybe I should stay a bit. Or you can't decide, I don't want to have children. Does God approve of it? If God intended you to have two children and you've decided you don't have children because you want to just live large, you'll be judged. Every one of us have to understand that, ladies, your womb is a gift from God. And you have to ask God, how many would this carry? As a child of God, you have to have eternity in your decisions and in your spending. Even so, every time we take an offering, it's a spiritual decision. God, how much? If God does not want you to give this much, don't do it because he's not going to bless it. Say, God, every time you take your card or your check or say, God, how much of your money do you want me to give this Sunday? That is the way we approach giving. God, who is it that I need to bless today? Is there somebody I need to buy shoes for? How, much, how do you want me to use your money? Every time I get my paycheck, I get into spiritual decisions. God, this is your money. Help me draw the budget. Am I saying something? Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm running out of time, so let me finish. Let's talk about the f- final one. So the Bible says that he's going to, the master is going to return. So you talk about the reckoning. Let's go back to Matthew. Watch this. Look at this. After a long time, their master returned. The owner, the ruler of all things returned. One day he's going to come from his trip and call them to give account of how they have used his money. I was convicted by this message. This week as I read it, I said, hey, Ras, Marshall, Superstore, Walmart, Lord help me, oh, help me. Where are the receipts? Let, let me get out the receipts. I may need to return some shirts. <laughs> when I told my wife, she said, yeah, you better. I know because she needs more room in the closet. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Today I'm on my, my wife's case. I have, I have to leave her alone. <laughs> the master returned to give account of how they have used his money. Two things I, I want to leave with you today. One, I want you to write the word return. He's going to come. The Bible says his coming is unknown. His coming is unexpected. If I don't live my life as a pastor according to his word, I may not make it. I may preach the word. I will only be a signboard. Signboard don't get to the location. They only have people get there. And I'm conscious of that. People will say, did I not preach your word? Did I not scream and shout? God says, I don't know you. Every one of us have to have eternity all the time. And for me, because of that, I don't have time for other things. I don't have time for unforgiveness, resentment, revenge, things because that can hinder me. And we need to always live with eternity in view. And the fact that I have preached it doesn't mean I have lived it. I have to go home and practice what I have preached. Because I'm not above the word of God. God has to be part of my spending. As a child of God, he has committed his goods to me. His coming is unknown. His coming is unexpected. The Bible says he will come like a thief in midnight. Then the Bible talks about not over his return, but when he returns, there's going to be a report. And that's where I want to end. Matthew 25, 
I want to read a long passage as I close today. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I have earned five more. The master was full of praise and said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. There is a party in heaven. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I have earned two more. Remember, all of them doubled. It's almost like God is trying to tell us, it is what I wanted to do, what, what I've given you. I need a double return. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have done faithful and handed this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let us celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you did not plant, gathering crops you did not cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. At least, he didn't lose it. I kept it in a safe in New Westminster by Columbia Street. Here, take your money but the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I did not plant and gathered crops I did not cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank instead of a deposit? Because when you put your money in a safe deposit, it doesn't earn you money. The minimum you could have done is put it in the bank. At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then in order, take that money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This passage is not just about money, but primarily about money, but also about our life. How we use our life and our time. How we invest it. Do nothing is not an option. Can I end with this verse? Luke chapter 16, verse 11. It says, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, Jesus said, who will trust you with true riches? In other words, God said, how we handle material things, money, will have a serious spiritual implications. Do you hear that? Let's pray. Help us, Father. Help us, Father, to manage your money. I want to give everybody a minute or two to talk to God. I have wrestled with this all week. I want to give you a chance to do that. Your life is a gift from God. It's a lease from God your time, your relationship, and even so your money. Somebody need to pray and say, God, help me to manage your money. Help me to make decisions from today. Let it be a new beginning. I'm going to be quiet for a moment. I want to let you talk to God. Everybody just wrestle with this. Talk to God right now. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Hope for All Nations, a Calvary Worship Center podcast. We pray that God's word will continue to be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, and that as you spend time in his presence, you will be abundantly fruitful. You are also most welcome to join us for our in-person worship services. If you are in Western Canada, 
We have locations in Surrey, BC and New Westminster, BC, as well as Calgary, Alberta. In Washington State, we have a location in Bellingham and a location in Ghana. You can find out more information at calvaryonline.ca. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life, and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.